We're in week four of a, of a series that we've titled the Bar Napkin Gospel Series. And really what this series is designed to do is to help us to explain the good news of Jesus Christ through simple pictures that can be drawn on a small piece of paper, even a bar napkin. And um, the Bar Napkin Gospel really is designed to describe what new life in Christ actually looks like, a different life, a completely different life, a life that's new and exciting, a life that's filled with a different set of priorities and passions. We began the series using the shape of a triangle, and we said that the triangle really is all about the life of Jesus Christ. It's, it's the life that he wants uh, us to to capture that he's lived for us and he wants us to imitate that life. It's a life full of, of rich and thick relationships. Uh, his, and there are three relationships on the triangle. His up relationship with his father, where he practiced being in the presence of his father. Then the in relationships that he shared with those in his inner circle and those that were part of his covenant community and those that, that were um, inside of his realm of influence, his extended spiritual family. Then there's the out relationship. And the out relationship in, in the life of Jesus Christ represented the life that he lived to those around them in the lost and dying world in the region that he was in. These are the priorities of Jesus, his passions, his passion is for, for both himself and, and for others is for us to be in the presence of God and to fully be able to enjoy being in God's presence. Jesus understood that out of that presence would come transformation and it would occur in our lives, an ongoing transformation that we would we'd be able to experience day in and day out and see the fruit of that transformation in our lives. That transformation would lead to the demonstration of Christ's likeness, God's spirit on the inside of us as we take what God has given us and what he's doing in our lives out to those in the world around us. And Jesus' passion was for us to be able to experience those three aspects of relationship together as a community. And two weeks ago when we met, we moved to the right side of the triangle where we talked about and discussed the question, how do we enjoy the presence of God? What does that look like? And I, and I used the, the semicircle to express that to you and explain that to you. And I showed you that, that we enjoy the presence of God by pressing into an abiding relationship with him. And as we press into an abiding relationship with him, just like a pendulum does, that, that abiding relationship swings back into a, a life of fruit bearing and productivity and achievement. But here's the key. It doesn't work the other way around. Because if we, if we press into achieving uh, and, and press into fruit bearing, we'll become frustrated in life because what we'll, we'll realize is that we're chasing the wrong things. And, 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 and as chasing the wrong things, what will happen is we'll start to press into work and press into achievement, and those things can never satisfy. And if we're not careful, we'll be embroiled in a struggle, a continuous struggle with pursuing things that will never meet this insatiable desire that only God can fill. 
And so we talked about what that looks like two weeks ago and to be in an abiding relationship. Today, I want to take a look at the bottom side of the triangle, the same triangle, and answer the question, how do we experience change? How does transformation in our lives occur in, in a very practical way? And, and how can we, as we're experiencing transformation, walk with others as they're experiencing transformation too and help walk them through it? How can I change? Have, have, you, ever, have you ever tried to change something in your life? And no matter how hard you try, you just continue to do the same thing again and again. Have you ever experienced that? Maybe I'm the only one. Have you ever? So have I. And, and, and here's what I've learned. Change can be very, very difficult. And, and here's what I've experienced in the church, especially the evangelical church. When it comes to change, quite often the evangelical church expects that when you give your life to Jesus, bam, Change is supposed to happen right now. You know, I, I can tell you, I know people that, that came, came to the church, gave their life to Jesus Christ, and immediately they were supposed to drop that 15-year smoking habit that they had. Or maybe, maybe they're, they're an alcoholic. Or maybe they're strung out on porn, and that's immediately supposed to vanish. Now, let me tell you something. I know that that can happen. God can do that. He can instantly change our life. But most often, it's highly probable that change, immediate change, will not happen that way. The Lord showed me a great example of that. See, change takes place from the inside out. And, and it doesn't always happen instantly. Think about the disciples of Jesus Christ. Here are, here are men that walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He personally called them, gave them an invitation. And as soon as Jesus was crucified and he was gone, most of these disciples that we know of went right back to the things that they were doing before they met Jesus. <laughs> And these are men that walked with the Savior. Change is tough. So here's what that means. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, it's true that a change takes place. Our identity changes. And, 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 and as our identity changes, our eternal status changes as well. But there's some stuff on the inside of us that hasn't changed. It hasn't. And so here's what I say. If we're going to experience change, especially lasting change, as it relates to the kingdom of God, we almost have to look at, at life change, this, this new life that we experience as followers of Christ, almost like an immigrant looks, like, looks at a new world and the possibilities of the new world. Immigrants don't come to this world, to this new world and this new opportunity, expecting things to remain the same. I've talked to countless immigrants and especially Africans that come over to this country and they come seeking a better life. They come with high hopes and great expectations of a brand new life. 
And I think in a lot of ways, family, that's how we need to look at this new life in the kingdom of God. It's not just the potential for an improved life. It's not. It's a new life available to us as citizens of a new kingdom under the rule of a new and different kind of king who gives us different passions and different priorities to live by. Passions and priorities, family, that when we submit ourselves to the lordship of this new king, our agenda is no longer ours. Our agenda becomes serving the will of our king. And that's how we change. So, how can I experience the change, this kind of change and transformation that I, I should come to expect as part of this, of this new kingdom? Well, for the answer to that, I want to turn to the gospel. I want to see what Jesus says about that. Turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 14, or Mark chapter 1 and verse 14. How many of you brought your Bibles? Okay. Just checking. Mark chapter 1, verse 14, and let's see what Jesus has to say about change. You there? I'm reading out of the ESV, so it might read a little different than yours. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So now let me set some context for you here about why Jesus said this, when he said it, the way that he said it. Let me explain the significance of what's going on here. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, uh, had, it was his time. It was, he was in his season. He, was, he had a full-blown ministry as the forerunner, and he had just been arrested. And so at that point, the ministry of John the Baptist was done. He was finished. It was over. And, 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 and so what happens is that sets the stage now for Messiah, for the king of kings to step on scene. And Jesus steps on, on scene, and he starts with this message. He says this. He says, the time is come. And it's right now. And I have a message for you. What's the message, Jesus? The kingdom of God is here right now with me. And this is your opportunity to change. But there are two things that are required. Repent and believe the gospel. And so there are two things that we really need to, to know and to do if we are going to repent and believe. See, that's the concept that Jesus is trying to get across with this new time and this new era that he's ushering in. The time is now. Here's the concept right now. Don't miss it. In this moment, heaven, the kingdom of God, is breaking into the kingdom of man. God's reality is breaking into man's reality. 
The kingdom of heaven is colliding with our kingdom and producing something new and something different. The time is right now is complete. The kingdom is here. Repent, which means to renew your mind from the old paradigms and your old way of thinking and believe in the gospel, which means take hold of the opportunity that I'm presenting to you right now while the veil is parted and you can see into the kingdom of God. You can experience his presence, his promises. Jesus says, step into that, seize that right now. So, The process of of being able to understand what this means can really be drawn out or demonstrated in the shape that that, that I call the life change circle. Okay? It's just another shape that you can draw out on a bar napkin. Okay? Life change circle. And the life change circle begins with a line. I know it's kind of a weird way to begin, but but it begins with a line. And this line represents a timeline, a progression, the progression of our lives. From beginning to end, from start to finish. This timeline is what the Greeks called chronos. It's where we get our, our, the, our word chronograph or chronology. It's chronos. It represents a span of time, a period of time in our lives, the entirety of it. And so Jesus, when he makes his statement that time is fulfilled, he's not talking about chronos. I want you to understand that. He's talking about a different word. He's not talking about the whole span of our lives. He's talking about a moment in time that the Greeks call kairos. It's a moment, specific. And again, it's where the kingdom of God collides with our kingdom, breaks through to our reality, into our reality, to produce a moment where we can hear God speaking to us. And I'll tell you something, God can use anything. He can use anything to produce that moment, anything. Maybe, maybe you get a raise on your job and you hear God speaking, or maybe you lose your job and you hear him. Maybe, maybe there's a miraculous healing that takes place in your life, or maybe all of a sudden there, there becomes a physical challenge, maybe even death in your life. It could be a challenge as parents. It could be a challenge with our kids. Or as kids, it could be a challenge with our parents. Or or it could be a peer-to-peer challenge that all of a sudden captures your attention. It could be an answered prayer or a prayer that goes unanswered for a long, long time. Or it can be a simple insight that God gives you that just explodes in your thinking, changes everything. God will use anything to get our attention in this Kairos moment. And I'll tell you something, as followers of Christ, these Kairos moments are not random. They're not random. Our king is trying to break through the noise of our lives every single day and get our attention. Kairos moment after Kairos moment after Kairos moment after Kairos moment. The kingdom of heaven colliding with our reality. And all God is saying is this, here's your opportunity. Here's here's your your change point. Here's your invitation to grow and change. Hmm. So, Jesus says when Kairos occurs, there's a simple process that we can embrace 
and receive God's invitation. And it can be, again, viewed through the lens of this, of this circle. And the circle is divided into two parts. There's a left side and a right side. The right half is the challenge to repent. The left side or the left half is an invitation to believe. The right half represents that the thinking and the behavior that God wants us to turn from, while the left half represents the promise that God gives to us to enter into this new life and take a hold of it, this life that he's promised us in his kingdom. Repent and believe. So now let's talk about these two words. Let's, let's kind of dissect these two words of these two halves of this circle. Let's talk about repent first. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, that word repent, when I hear that, that evokes all kinds of different memories in my mind, right? Now, I've often said that, you know, we're change point, but I got to tell you, the more we grow, the more I think we're going to experience the charismatic side of change point. That's, that's going to be our expression, I do believe. I come from a charismatic, a charismatic background. Uh, I, I'm ra- I was raised in the black church, man. And I'm going to tell you something. It was not uncommon for the pastor to be preaching a message and look you right in your eyes and tell you you're going to die, possibly even tonight, and go to hell if you don't give your life to Jesus. First class, in the smoking section, somebody say yeah. That challenge was put before us all the time. And what happens is, is repentance now starts to become something where, where we, we get convicted. There's fear, sometimes tears, sadness, guilt, all those things associated with the word repentance. That's how it came up, man. It's all part of repentance. And we tend to view repentance when we look at it through that lens as as something that we need to do occasionally. Maybe it is when we give our lives to Jesus Christ for the first time. Or maybe what happens is we find ourselves in a situation where we made a bad decision, made a mistake, and that leads to a time of repentance. We look at it almost like, like, like an occasional thing, but that's not what repentance is meant to be. Repentance literally means to change the way that we understand things, to change the way that we understand things. The Greek word for change is metanoeo. It's, it's, it, it means transformation. It's metamorphosis, to metamorph. That's where we get our word metamorphosis from. It means to change. And, and I'll say something to you. As long as we live, we are experiencing change. If you don't believe it, go back and take a look at your high school picture. Somebody said, oh. Change is inevitable. I've got a good friend of mine who's passed on. His name was Horace. And here's what he said about change. He said, man, listen. He said, you are going to change. And and, and, in every case, people change in one or two ways. It's either either in submission and surrenderance and obedience or it's through intolerable pain. Intolerable pain. And it's often, family, that in, in these times 
of challenges and, and pain that major changes in our lives occur. But I believe that that's not, that's not God's best. I believe God wants us, he intends for us to experience constant change, constant growth, little by little, bit by bit, subtle tweaks as we grow in our understanding of what it means to be citizens in this new kingdom, obeying the will and the works of our Father. Change. Kairos. God is speaking. Are we listening? <laughs> so, so I have this opportunity for Kairos, right? I told you guys I was on vacation. And I'm down in North Carolina with my father-in-law, spending time at his house. And one of the things on my bucket list is that I've always wanted to ride motorcycles with my father-in-law. You got to understand, he's an avid biker man. He's got two gorgeous bikes, one is a fully dressed Honda Goldwing. The other is probably the bike that's on the screen behind you. That, that, that fully dressed Harley Davidson classic. Oh. <laughs> See, I'm a bike rider. I love riding bikes. I've never been on a Harley before. So, so I've got, I've got my father-in-law and we're, you know, I'm, I'm telling him that I want to go riding bikes with him. And he says, he says, okay. So, so he pulls his Harley Davidson out, man. And it, I mean, this thing, this thing, it sounds like it's going to like cough, you know, it's like, you know, you guys know the sound, you've heard him, right? So he's pulling this thing out and I can't wait to get my hands on it. Right. But he's, and he says to me, he says, he says, now, son, he says, do you know how to ride? Of course, I know how to ride. Yeah, I got a bike of my own, I tell him. He says, well, listen, I got to tell you something. Every bike is different, and there's subtle nuances to this bike. I want you to know about it. When you ride the Harley, he says, you know, about 85% of the stopping power is in the, is in the handle grips, right? It's in the, it's in the handbrake. So, so make sure that when you're going around the corner that you face the corner because if you don't you hit the brakes, the bike is going to fall over. Now, listen, this bike is like 1,100 pounds. It's fully dressed, right? So I said, okay, Dad, I got this. He said, yeah, well, that's what Morris said. Morris is his brother. He says, and, uh, and Morris, Morris turned my bike over. He said, and Morris couldn't even figure out how to get it started. I had to go rescue him. I had that ain't going to be me, you know. So I get on the bike, man, and I, that thing, is, I'm telling you, that thing is rumbling. Man. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, man. You know, so now I'm driving around the neighborhood getting used to the bike, and, and I think I got it nailed. And I do, man, I got it nailed, right? And so, so, so I'm pulling up to one of the main roads, right? And, uh, and I'm trying to make up my mind on which way I'm going to turn. And so I get up to the turn. I forget that my father-in-law said, you got to turn and face the turn, right? So I get up to the turn, and I'm turning, and I hit that brake, and that big boy starts to turn like this. And I'm like, oh, I got this. My bike has done this before. And I stick my foot down to try to hold the bike up, but I'm not holding that bad boy up, man. And it's turning. I'm telling you, I'm screaming. Oh, no, no, no. I'm screaming. Please don't let me drop this bike. <laughs> and so I'm getting there now, and, and I've, I've got the bike, like, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm moving. I'm still holding on to the, to the thing, to the clutch, because, because if I let it go, it's going to, like, take off, and I don't want that to happen. So now i got the clutch, and the bike is like this, and, I got, and I'm on the other side. I'm trying to push this bike up, and I'm screaming, and people are passing by, and nobody's stopping. 
So I got this bike, man, and I'm, I'm and, and, and what happens is it gets to a point where, where something underneath the bike stops it from falling completely over. And so I end up getting the bike back up, and I get in neutral, and I look, and there's no damage. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I'm feeling good about life. And I ain't telling my father-in-law about this. Because I don't want to hear. You guys got to understand, my father-in-law is the trash-talking king of the planet. Isn't he, Dante? He's the trash-talker, man. I don't want to hear his mouth. So now I'm, getting, I'm going on my long ride, and I'm just, I'm just, oh, yeah, this thing is good. So glad I didn't turn that bike over and the Lord speaks to me. You got to tell your father-in-law. I will not. <laughs> I don't want to hear it, man. No, no, you've got to tell your father-in-law what happened with that bike. And, and here's what's happening. Here's what's happening in my mind. God is speaking. And he's saying, now is the time. Here's your Kairos moment. The kingdom of God is breaking into your life as you would normally do it, producing an opportunity for you to change, to repent. So in that long ride, I change my mind. I turn away from my normal way of thinking. I change my attitude. Instead of being prepared to hear what my father-in-law has to say, I, I, I'm starting to work in my mind what I'm going to say to him, even though I know the bike's not damaged. I'm changing my attitude. I'm changing the posture, my perspective, because, listen, this is not my bike. This is his, and I need to tell him what happened. So, The belief side kicks in. The belief side is, a, is, is the part where I, my faith now has to start taking steps towards the direction that God says for me to go, hoping and believing that somehow he's going to honor me for doing what he has told me to do. And even though my actions right now might not make total sense because, listen, there's no scars on the bike, man. He doesn't need to know. Even though my actions may not make total sense, I know that the king of kings is tugging at my heart, and I have to believe that if I follow the king of kings and his leadership, he will produce an outcome that will glorify himself no matter what. And so I pull back into the yard. I cut the bike off. Dad, there's something I got to tell you, man. I just want you to know that I, I, I laid your bike down. <laughs> he said to me, that's okay. I took a picture of it before you left. <laughs> I really wasn't even worried about you laying it down. I was worried about you not coming back on my bike. <laughs> and then he says this to me. He says, son, he says, listen, everybody lays it down every now and then. Everybody does. And I'm telling you, that act of honesty led to us going on like an 80-mile round trip, trip through the North Carolina countryside. I don't know if you guys can understand what I'm saying, man. You know, the windy roads that like smooth like glass with big green trees and wildlife, big gigantic birds you never see. I'm talking about, it's like, oh, man. I got a chance to cross that off my bucket list. Why? Because that's the outcome of the belief in my king, 
belief in action. You see, sometimes the process of repentance happens immediately. Sometimes that change takes a little longer. But, and, 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 but there's two things that's, that's important for you to understand about this process. It's never going to be natural. That's the first thing. It's never going to be natural. And the second thing is, if you, if you, if you get too busy and you, and you don't stop for just a moment, you'll miss the moment where God is speaking. And see, we don't stop and we get so focused on what's going on on the inside of us and on our own personal agendas that we fail to hear God speak. But Jesus is saying here in this passage of Scripture, stop. The window of heaven is open for you right now. Your moment is right now. Seize this moment for life change. Now, when we slow down for just a minute and take a look at both sides, we'll see that on both sides of, 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 uh, of this circle, there are three parts on both sides. Repentance and belief. Not long ago, um, I, man, I tell you, I, I was so anxious so bottled up on the inside. And, um, and I realized in that moment when I, was, when I was anxious that apparently something that I was doing or not doing was wrong. Something wasn't working the way that it was supposed to be working. Just anxious, on edge. And so there's some things I could do. I could overreact, which I've done that from time to time. I could try to take control of the situation. I've done that from time to time. I could go away and vanish and pretend the problems don't exist. I've done that from time to time. Have many of you done any of those things from time to time? We could do those things. But instead, what I decided I'd do is I'd work this circle, this, this, this life change circle. Because God is speaking to me, and I know that I need to repent. I know I need to turn away from something that I'm doing wrong and move towards something else. So let me show you how this works practically. When it comes to repentance, it starts with observation. We observe what is actually happening here. And in my case, my observation was I wasn't resting, waking up at all hours of the night, consistently worrying about things. My confidence as a leader being shaken. Like, man, I just, I can't do any, anything right. I'm a failure as a leader. Worn out, you guys. Just worn out. Tired and edgy. So edgy that I was biting the heads off of all those that were closest to me. So after, after this time of observation, now comes Reflection. Why is this happening the way that it's happening? Well, first, there's always so much work, and you can never get all the work done. And second, again, I, have this, I have this huge, these huge life-changing questions that I don't have any answers to right now, problems that are facing me. I have no answers for them. And I feel like I've lost control of what's going on. And listen, I'm not a control freak, but I do like to be in control of what's happening in my life. And, and then what I found out is that the pace of life had quickened, and I had allowed the pace of life to quicken for me. So then after reflection comes discussion. 
What perspective can I get from the godly people, the godly men and women that are in my life, people that I trust, people that I know have my best interests at heart, people that I know, that I know, that I know, that will tell me the truth no matter what, even if I don't want to hear it, they're going to tell me the truth. Because it's in discussion that I learned these things. I learned that my challenges are not unique to me and that others have faced the same struggles that I face. And my discussion helps my observation to be better and my reflection to be sharper. And in my reflection, my godly friends remind me often of scriptures that I can use in the moments that I'm struggling with the very thing that I'm struggling with. And quite often, my godly friends will stop and they will pray with me that God will give me the answers to the things that I'm facing. And that's exactly what happened. God started giving me scriptures like Philippians 4, 6. It says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus our Lord. Matthew 6 and 8, when Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray. And he says this. He says, he says don't you know that your heavenly father knows what you have need of even before you ask. Scriptures like, like James chapter 1 verse 5 that says, if a man lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives it freely. And the whole purpose of this right side of the circle is to answer the question, what is God saying? What is he saying? And it's a, it presupposes the belief that God is always speaking to us, family. That God is always speaking to us. And not only is that, not only that, but we can, we can hear him and we can understand what it is that he's trying to say to us if we have ears to hear. And here's what God was saying to me. Greg, you need to spend more intimate time in prayer. In, in my presence alone. Because in my presence, there's fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Turn to me. Repent of what you're doing. Now, that's good, but that's only one half of the process. I know you guys think we've got another half hour, but we don't. Because now that I've heard God speak and I recognize it as his voice and I see the area of need, it should force a question for me. And here's that question. What am I going to do about it? What is God telling me that I need to do? How will, how will I, how will I, how will I deal with this why in my road, this change point, this Kairos moment? What am I prepared to do to, so that God can be allowed in my life to produce lasting results of transformation? As a result of what I do right now in this moment, as I make the decision to follow his voice. This is the belief side of the circle. And if God is prompting me to change, will I believe in him enough that he will grant me the power to really change? That's the question. And so here's where I go back to my friends, those that I trust. And for me, and, for, and, 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 and we devise a plan of what this looks like for me. And so 
For me, it means I need to practice more of the spiritual discipline of prayer. I have to stay in my prayer closet longer and in more intimacy with God. I have to daily surrender my fears to the Lord and, and in prayer and I have to be conscious of, of, of stepping out, stepping out of the abiding relationship into the striving area of my life. I've got to be careful not to do that. So I put a plan in place. And listen, no matter, no matter what the plan is, no matter how perfect it is, I'm going to fail. It's going to happen because I'm not perfect. And I'm going to get discouraged. I already know this. And so I need a way to measure my success while I'm receiving encouragement. And so I need a method to account for how well my plan is working. And so I talk with my friends. My friends are part of my plan. I talk with my wife. My wife is part of my plan. I talk with my inner circle of brothers. Those men are part of my plan. And then I take action according to the plan. And when I take action according to what I believe God is saying, God rewards me with a greater glimpse of his kingdom in my life. You see how that works? And so even though I may fall, even though I may fail from time to time, moment by moment, trial by trial, day by day, I experience change, consistent change. And I get stronger. And as I do, true life change begins to occur. It occurs in my relationship with my wife. It occurs to those in the relationship with those that are closest to me, and my life begins to mirror Christ's likeness, and I begin to model the passions and the purposes of Jesus Christ. And as I spend more time in intimate prayer, God shows me that what really matters in life are the same thing that matter to Jesus, relationships. It's all about relationships. And so I make the conscious decision to actively pursue an abiding relationship with God and others. And as I do that, I experience these kairos moments of times of repentance and belief over and over and over and over and over again. And that's life change. Now, there are, there are two common mistakes that are made when it comes to life change. The first is that we go from kairos to plan. We hear God's voice and we go immediately over to plan. And we don't work the right side of the circle. And we don't work the right side of the circle. We miss all that God has planned for us in our growth and development, all he wants to do in our lives. We miss practicing being able to hear his voice and doing what he says for us to do. The second thing, which is just as, as dangerous, is we wallow on the repentance side. We just, we, we observe, reflect, and discuss, observe, reflect, and discuss, observe, reflect, and discuss, and never move over to the planning side. And so we miss the chance of transformation that takes place in the right and the left side of the life change circle. Real joy that comes from eating solid food that will make us grow. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 5, verse 14, he says, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So I want to say this to you. 
The life of the follower is never a straight line. Jose, you can bring your team up. The life of the follower is never just a straight line. It's a continuous cycle of circles, continuous kairos moments that happen again and again and again and again. The interruptions of God, the kingdom of God in our lives that produce in us, if we'll allow it, times of repentance and turning and belief. And if we're willing to step into what God says to us when we're in these continuous cycles, it's not going to produce failure in our lives. It'll produce life change, times of growth, times of intimacy with the Lord, godly success, and unspeakable joy. It's a life cycle that, that we get to enjoy as we're being continually, continuously transformed. I want to close today by reading a passage of Scripture found in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says this, I appeal to you, brothers. Actually, I'm going to just quote it out of the King James. I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Translation for that is your spiritual act of worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Metanoel, metamorphosis, by the renewing of your mind again and again and again. So I want to leave you with some questions that I want you to, to ask yourself. Where where is God interrupting your life and inviting you to change? Maybe right now in this moment. And when will you take the time to work the right side of the circle, observing, reflecting, and discussing what it is that God is trying to say to you? And who will you involve in your life when you do it to help you with the, right si- the left side where you plan and, and you account, you take action? And what are you willing to do when God speaks to you that will really produce life change? What does that mean for you? What is it going to take for you to change and obey the voice of God that you may be hearing right now in your mind and in your heart? Because it's only when you embrace the kingdom of God where you really experience true life change. That's true for all of us. So how do we experience life change? How do we really change? By recognizing that God is always speaking. By determining what he is saying and then developing through the sensitivity and the leading of the Holy Spirit what it is that he wants us to do about it. That's life change. Why don't you stand with me? Father, I want to thank you this morning or this afternoon for for your word. 
The writer in Psalms said, Your word have I hid in my heart that I don't, I might not sin against you. I won't. I don't want to do that. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be more sensitive to your voice and to your leading. I pray that we will take the time to get along with you and each one of us, Lord, each one of us, each one of us in here, each one of us, you speak to all of us different and uniquely. Each one of us here, get along with you in whatever way we need to, to hear you speaking to us clearly for life change. What does that mean for me? What are you asking of me? What is God saying? And just as important, what will you do about it? Father, as I dismiss my church family, my brothers and sisters from this place, I I ask you that you will take us out of here fully aware of your presence in our lives, your presence to change, your presence to transform. And Lord, as we enter into this Memorial Day weekend, Lord, I just pray that you give us, give us tangible moments where we'll stop and reflect on your goodness in our lives. Not just being in a country where we're free, but being citizens of a brand new kingdom where we are really, really free in you. We get the best of both worlds as your children. Help us to fully embrace that and be present in those two realities today and the rest of this weekend, I pray in Jesus' name.